This episode of Beyond the Bottom Line is brought to you by the Program on Entrepreneurship at the Yale School of Management, where we're educating students for business and society. Thank you so much for coming to the School of Management. We're so excited to have you. Um, Just to get us kicked off, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and what you're working on. Totally. So um, my name is Hallie Meyer. I actually graduated from regular Yale um, in 2015. And um, I have since been doing various things in the world of food, um, starting with a home-cooked meal delivery service that uh, I started here with um, some law students called Umi Kitchen, and then um, took a bit of a a break from food to do some uh, work in the South Bronx um, with AmeriCorps uh, through a program called City Year, which if you don't know it, you should check it out and ask every 18 to 25-year-old, you know, to apply to do a service year with City Year. Um, and I am now uh, in the process of opening an ice cream coffee bar, um, Italian-inspired, called Cafe Pana, in the Gramercy neighborhood of New York. Great. So what does it mean to be an Italian-inspired coffee ice cream store? That's a good question. The first thing it means is that it's not fully true to <laughs> to things Italian. Um, I think you can kind of go like a, a few ways when you sort of take a— uh, a culture and try to open a food establishment um, after it. You can either say, okay, we're going to try to be so true to this to um, to the point where we may even have things on our menu that New Yorkers don't want. We may not have things that New Yorkers do want. But for, an, uh, you know, for example, I plan to offer sprinkles because there are going to be kids who want to come and get an ice cream cone and they want sprinkles. And if there aren't sprinkles, like, that's not going to make their day, right? In Italy, you'd never see sprinkles. So um, that's the first thing. It means that it's not exactly true to all things Italian. But um, it is Italian-inspired in that um, I spent a lot of time cooking in Rome and am totally in love with uh, the cafe bar gelateria culture there. Um, so a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the flavors are inspired by um, the way that Italian gelaterias use fruit um, and, you know, also sort of more design-related things like a standing bar, um, stools, just sort of different components here and there. So tell me a little bit about what it was like to work in an Italian gelateria. Oh, it was a blast. Um, I was at a place called Odeleg in um, Trastevere. Odeleg is actually um, gelato backwards, like, <laughs> <laughs> like O-T-A-L-E-G, yeah. Um, very and, inventive. Yeah, very. Um, so it's a cool place because Rome, so Rome is filled with a lot of good food, but it's also filled with a lot of um, a lot of tourist traps. And, and it's surprisingly easy to eat poorly there if you don't, you know, do your research um, especially with gelato, because, you know, Americans go to Rome thinking, like, great, I'm going to have the best gelato of my life. Um, but most of the gelato that you can see and is sort of, like, displayed in the street, it's actually not um, not made on premise. They're maybe churning it there, but they're buying their base from somewhere else, and we could get really ice cream uh, nerdy here if we want to. Um, but 
point being is that sort of recently there have been um, quite a few newer, um, like more artisanal gelaterias that have uh, started to kind of pop up where people are um, saying, hey, let's make our own bases. Let's uh, use seasonal fruits. Um, let's not like pile cookies and like pineapples on top of our gelato. You know what I'm talking about. You've mm-hmm. seen that, right? <laughs> um, so Odaleg is one of these places. And the store started in um, uh, a, a place called Colli Portuense, which is a little bit out of the city of Rome. So very like neighborhood spot, not a place tourists would go. And then just recently, um, last year, they opened this shop in Trastevere. And Trastevere is sort of now more of a touristy area. Uh, and that's the shop I worked in. So we, um, <laughs> it was teeny, teeny, tiny, no bigger than like the kitchen was not bigger than like a small, um, like, Toyota, like, you know, those, like, what are the cars? The camera? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was tiny. Yeah. Um, it was the owner of the shop, a guy named Marco. Ciao, Marco, if you're out there. <laughs> Doubt it. But um, the owner of the shop, uh, one guy who was kind of the um, gelato maker, I guess you would call him. And I pretty much just went in and was like, hey, um, can I, you know, spend— a few weeks uh, just, like, staging with you. And I had known them because of the time I previously spent in Rome eating a lot of gelato. So, you know, it was it was more just, like, we have this relationship. Let's, uh, let's like, let me see if I can help you make, make gelato. Um, but the way we did things was just so Rome and so different from the way that um, restaurants and uh, ice cream shops specifically do their production in New York or anywhere in the U.S., um, we would open at noon and close at midnight. Um, I only, I, I was, you know, only doing backup house. So I would get in at nine. We'd get a bunch of fruit. Sometimes I'd run to the market in the square close by and be like, oh, hey, these cherries look great. Let's do this. Um, and then we'd just be spinning for like two and a half hours. And once that was over, we had a full case of gelato. So that's a, an approach to production that is, is very um, gelato like when you're spinning it daily and um, you're not uh, letting it harden, you know, overnight or 48 hours. Sometimes there's like a hardening phase with ice cream, but not with gelato. Um, And so it would be like, oh, Marco got this like case of beets. He needs us to make gelato with beets. So he actually, he was actually like a little, he's a little bit experimental in that way too. Um, But he pretty much let me make whatever I wanted to. So I was able to, like, test out flavors and use my base sometimes. And, you know, he would, like, criticize it, be like, oh, hey, troppo grasso, like, there's too much fat. Because, like, <laughs> my base is a little bit more, like, it's an ice cream base, so it's got a higher fat content than the traditional gelato. Um, but people liked it. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, so what draws you to ice cream? Oh, so much. Um, first of all, it's delicious. Um, second of all, I think the thing that I, like, really discovered um, this this past year um, when I was doing Cityer is that, th- like, the real reason I love it is because you can talk about it with anyone. Like, literally anyone is excited to talk about ice cream. Um, whether that is a fourth grader at PS 154 um, who, like, suddenly is, like, listening to you and following directions because they're excited about what you're talking about, 
to um you know an an old dude like who just likes rum raisin um so everyone kind of has like their like an ice cream connection um so i like that it's an accessible topic i think that that's it just comes down to that it's an accessible topic and it makes people happy and you can't be upset when you're eating it you have to enjoy it <laughs> how did your time in americorps and at city year shape your decision to kind of get into this and even your decision to pursue ice cream? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I think like doing City Year was the best professional decision I have ever made. Not that I've made that many because I'm 25, but of the decisions I've made, this is one that I'm really the the most proud of and also feel like I got the most out of. Um I think a lot of people sign up to do service thinking that they're going to, you know, give back to the community. And yeah, you are. But like, I got so much out of that. Um, and I'm just so grateful for that. So I I went into um, to City Year a year ago, August, so a year and a half ago, um, just sort of had signed up to do a year of whatever was needed of me. Um, and I had kind of on the back burner, like, I know I want to own an ice cream shop someday. And I remember the first day of our training, like, we were kind of doing some kind of intro thing. And there was a fun fact. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this on for size. It's like, my name's Hallie from New York, New York. Um, I'm serving at PS 154X. And I'm going to open an ice cream shop someday. And I was like, oh, okay. That that sounds that sounds like sort of, sort of reasonable. And I had I always wanted to do this, like literally always since I was a kid. Um, I just never really like said it seriously. Uh, and so throughout City Year, um, it was really important to me to to um, bring into the after school programming that we that we ran, like some component of uh, of food education or just like food literacy. So um, I would bring in kind of like local entrepreneurs to talk about their food businesses. And um, and when we weren't doing that, we needed something, like, very hands-on for the kids to do. So in public school, public schools in New York, there's really not uh, much of a kitchen to work with. So we would do things like Miss Hallie would bring her home ice cream machine and, like, make ice cream with the kids. Um, and, uh, you know, make, like, salsa and salads and things that you didn't really have to cook. Um, so throughout that time, I was kind of, like— refining this like love affair with the idea of ice cream um like my students started calling me the ice cream queen and it was just like I just liked it like they they everyone can relate I know I'm sort of like hammering this (laughs) home but I just I think that there's like very few things that we can all sort of like rally around um especially today um so when I was when I was working uh PS 154 one of my former um, colleagues, cooks from Umi Kitchen, which was a startup I uh, worked on just out of college. Um, he was from the neighborhood, uh, Mott Haven, and he was opening um, a an empanada shop. And he uh, invited me to start selling my ice cream at his Monday pop-up um, throughout the spring. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Like, this is a great way to continue to get involved in this community. Um, and, and so every Monday from 
March through June, we would take over this cafe called the Motley Kitchen, which if you're ever in Mott Haven, check it out. Some of the best pastries in New York. Um, I swear to God. Uh, and so we would take it over. He would sell his empanadas. I would sell my ice cream. And like literally during my lunch break at school, I would run over, scoop the ice cream, <laughs> come back. And then like after after school, I would go home and take over my parents' kitchen and make a ton of ice cream. <laughs> it was um, like, thank you, mom and dad, for letting me do that um, and, and use your kitchen as the production facility, which no longer happens. Don't worry. Um, but I think like in terms of what I learned um, from my experience working at City Year that I will sort of take forward really had more to do with um, like leadership and creating a culture on a team of people and unifying people around um, around the task at hand. And it's not super logical, like, okay, fourth and fifth graders, ice cream, like service. Ice, but it really just makes so much sense to me. Um, I was able to have the experience of like leading a genuinely diverse group of young people in very emotionally charged work. Um, people were coming at this work with very different backgrounds and intentions um but we all had to we all had to still do it because we were doing it for the kids and so there were a lot of challenges um that I faced and was able to uh find solutions for that I 100% uh plan on applying to Cafe Pana um like everything from the power of like wearing a uniform every day to morning circle where we all go around and say our joys and appreciations. Um, we establish our goals for the day. Really, like, small culture things that make a huge difference um, in bringing a team of people together. So you mentioned that you had a prior startup as well called Umi Kitchen, and this was before uh, your service at City Year. So can you tell me just a little bit about that and maybe what you learned in that that you'd like to apply moving forward? Yeah. Um, so Umi was a home-cooked meal delivery service um, that I started with um, two co-founders, actually, who kind of invited me onto the project when I was an undergrad at Yale, and they were law students, uh, Jason and Khalil. And um, they had this idea that there were amazing home cooks out in New Haven, uh, and there were customers who wanted to buy home-cooked meals. So we kind of ran a pilot here. Um, in New Haven. And I, I had been involved with food stuff um, with the Yale Farm here. I had a catering company on campus. like was always kind of doing that, um, involved in in the world of food on Yale's campus. And so it just was super exciting to me that I would sort of get to take that interest beyond Yale and like into the New Haven community. Um, and uh, we, we ran a successful trial here um, one summer through the YEI fellowship and then decided to raise some venture capital and launch it in New York. Um, so many learnings. <laughs> I think I'll I'll have to I'll have to narrow it down um, and focus focus on really like the biggest one that's influencing how I'm approaching Cafe Pana um, differently. So we we raised 1.4 million dollars. We wanted this to be huge. We wanted it to be the Etsy for food. Um, Instead of kind of having this like vision of scale from the get-go, um, the way I'm approaching Cafe Pana is really like in a much more um, specific <laughs> way. So I 
I want to have one profitable location before I think about anything else. And and I'm very explicitly holding myself to three goals. The first is to have a super happy, empowered team of people working with me. The second is to have absolutely delighted guests um, who are enjoying the best ice cream in the city. And then the third is to have this one one profitable location. And once I've gotten all those three things done, that's when I can say, okay, and what's the next step for growth? So I would say that's the biggest um, the biggest learning is to, for me, I, I work better when I'm really, um, really doing things on my own terms, sticking to a very clear vision um, before, before asking bigger questions and asking so much of the business to be more than it is. I can't start selling grocery store pints if I haven't had people come to the store yet. <laughs> By taking this focus with Cafe Pana, are you afraid of missing out on any big opportunities? Absolutely not. I mean, maybe that's crazy, but I'm just really not. I think that if that were my ambition, maybe yes. But my ambition is to do what makes me really happy, which is to be the bouncer of this great ice cream cafe. Um, And that's a—I think that's a really important thing, too, is to just be so comfortable and so able to articulate. And I'm still working on this. Like, really be able to articulate what is your— dream job for yourself. Not only it's easy as a founder to get sort of um, sort of like eaten up by your business and then forget what is it that you envision for yourself. So um, in kind of creating a plan and vision for what success looks like for Cafe Pana, it's really important that alongside I also say what does success look like for me what is my role on this team? And then also, oops, spilling water everywhere. Um, and then also, um, what other roles do I need to fill in, given that this is my role? So how do you stop yourself from getting swept up in uh, in all the kind of like lingo surrounding entrepreneurship. So at Yale and at a lot of MBA programs, people like to think really big um, and like to think about conquering the world and becoming the Amazons and the Googles. Uh, How do you kind of stay on that path that you've defined? Yeah, um, I don't think I have really an answer for that, but I, I can certainly speak to why it's, more appealing to me to like start small before thinking on that scale. I think like the power of um, business in community is it's just like it's just so powerful. And if you can if you can't make it good for like one small community, then you will probably end up hurting the world <laughs> if you try to make it bigger. So for me, so much of the the reason I wanted I've ever wanted to have a business is because it's just so fun to create value for the community you're in. And I think that um I, I wish people would sort of hold themselves to that standard a little bit more. Like you take, but you create more value than you're taking. And um I, I don't really have anything wise or articulate to say around this, but that's just where my head's at right now. Um I'll probably like 
have a lot more uh, a lot more learning once I operate in a single community for uh, for a year. Um, but I, I think I think it it also just comes down to um, to personality. Like if you're if you're someone who feels um, successful when you make one person happy and you have a uh, positive interaction where you empower one person, then it's it, it's a, it's a lot easier to be able to say, I don't need to change the way that the world eats ice cream. Like I can feel good about adding value to this community. Not that there's anything wrong with feeling like you want to really change something, um, but I would really, <laughs> I just I just question. Um, people who say they want to like disrupt things just for the sake of disrupting like how are you adding value (laughs) is the question yeah so you talked a bit about the importance of positively impacting the community that you're hopefully going to be a part of so can you talk a little bit about how you chose the neighborhood you did in New York and uh, maybe why you didn't choose somewhere like Rome which it seems Mm. like you love a lot yeah uh, well, first of all, I think if I tried to do this in Rome, I would get, like, eggs thrown at me and, like, <laughs> people would be like, who is this, like, American girl, like, trying to do this thing? Um, <laughs> so Rome is always going to just be the place that, like, I go to for inspiration, but I don't think that um, I will ever try to have a business there. Um, I I think I think that it's important that we think about the word community, like, very broadly, Um I remember actually, you know, this past year during City Year, my job as the team leader was to, like, make sure that my team was uh, delivering the service to our students um, excellently. And everyone was motivated a little bit differently. For me, I was really motivated by this idea that this was actually, like, national service. This was, like, yes, in a very small, specific community, but it was national service that we were doing because we were— we were— helping to, uh, we're helping to do, I mean, hopefully we were helping to end the high school dropout crisis, but on a sort of more specific level, we were enriching students' lives. We were um, creating programming and um, just being cheerleaders for them throughout the day. And to some of my uh, some of my team members, they really were more motivated by the idea that this was community service and not national service. So I think that like, we all kind of have these different ideas of like what community is. Um, and I think it's important to be flexible with that. So for example, I'm opening up in Gramercy Park. Gramercy Park is a neighborhood I grew up in. Um, there aren't a lot of people that live in Gramercy Park who who need jobs. But New York City is a place where there's tons of people who are really qualified and ready to um, to be empowered by uh, the the food industry. I think that, like, the food industry, it, I sort of had this dream originally to have Cafe Pana be, like, a jobs training program for um, maybe previously incarcerated, uh, like, high schoolers. So young people who are kind of coming out of this really awful traumatic experience but um, could have the potential to be really empowered by uh, by the food industry, which is this kind of, like, uniquely um, empowering, to say that word again, like, kind of industry because— you're literally making other people happy. Like, there's nothing that makes me feel better about myself than when I can make someone else happy. And um, and I think, like, food is just very unique in that way. So um, one of the things I, I do hope to do 
um, and that I've started doing a bit is um, hire from a local high school uh, called the Food and Finance High School, which is incredible. It's actually just a public high school in New York, but it has this um, extra culinary programming called the Food Education Fund. So students um, who, you know, qualify for free lunch are graduating with all these industry certifications, and they are um, getting, like, amazing experience in the food industry in New York. Uh, So I hope they all come work for me (laughs) is is my point. But um, I think there's just so many ways that a business can add value to its community um, in the experiences it it provides for its team members um, in the ways it engages them in other activities in the community. So maybe that's saying that one of our training days, you know, every month is actually going to be like a day of service. Um, there, there's so many things you can do as a founder in general. Um, like, it's your responsibility to do them in exactly the way you would want to do them. What is your favorite flavor? I really, um, like, it depends on the brand, obviously. Um so I'm just going to go with, like, my favorite flavor that you can get shipped nationwide because I think that that speaks to everyone. And it's from Salt and Straw. It's um, salted uh, chocolate ganache and almond brittle in a in a delicious plain base. Um, that's their base. They're based in Oregon, and they they do ship nationwide for a pretty penny, but it's worth it. Towards the end of every— episode, we like to ask um, what book you would like to give as a gift if you had a friend ask you. Um, I think that the, I think the most influential book for me this past year was a book called um, For White Folks Who Teach in the Hood and the Rest of Y'all Too. Um, it's by, um, I forget his name, but he's just an amazing writer. It was super helpful for me um, in my experience working um, with Cityer, and I think that everyone would have been better off if they'd read it. Yeah, and I certainly was. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Let's talk about ice cream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>